is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am so delighted to welcome two incredible women to the show, Ella Bell Smith and Stella Nincomo. Oh, Ella and Stella, I am so excited to talk to you about your book, which is called Our Separate Ways, How Black and White Women and the Struggle for Personal Identity. But ladies, let's set this up. You first published this book over 20 years ago. So who would like to to introduce and tell that story? Still? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we'll go back to uh, 20. Yeah. The book was published in 2001 and it, and it came from a research study that we started on in the 1990s that was funded by both the Ford foundation and the Rockefeller foundation to look at the careers of black and white women in corporate America. So Caroline, it it was a book that broke new ground because it was one of the first books to really detail the uh, different the different journeys, the different life and career journeys that Black and white women in corporate America had 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 done to get mm-hmm. to senior leadership positions in corporate America, and so the book tells those stories. And we use a story format and the book shows how the, how race and gender, when you put race and gender together, that their experiences are qualitatively different. And so in reading the book, what readers will learn is where the women came from, the obstacles they faced, and also the strategies that they use to overcome those obstacles to get to where they are. We also offer our recommendations on what corporations need to do to advance and accelerate the advancement of, of women in, in, into senior leadership positions. So that's a brief summary. So the book came, and, and let me just say this too. I think it's important to understand if you looked at the 1990s at that time, Women were coming into managerial and leadership roles, and there was some early work on women in management, but most of that work, Caroline, was focusing on white women, and there was a lot of silence about uh, the presence of Black women. And we were able to find the few Black women who were able to break through and into corporate America. I think I thank just you for add, that setup. That's so helpful. I think I would like to add one other thing. Um, while we were trying to make sense of their life stories, we also wanted to understand the relationship that black and white women had with each other. So um, while we focused on their early life experiences, what got them into corporate America on a time where women were not in corporate America, um, and as Stella so wonderfully said, all the um, obstacles and realities of that journey once um, entering the corporate world, what was the relationship with the women, between the women, um, and how did race shape their their relationship with each other? Um, that was an important part 
uh, for us to want to do because there was no conversation on the, that particular topic at all. Yeah, and the lessons are, are relevant. In fact, more than ever, because let's face it, we're confronting and navigating the most explosive racial mm. reckoning that the world has seen in, in generations. Would you agree? Mm. Yes, we are. It is a very different historical moment, um, which is why the relaunch of the book is so important now. Um, I think people forget the first um, publication of this book came out two months before 9-11. And, um, you know, 9-11 major, major change in our society shifted the conversation in so many ways. And race was not was not it was it was a come together moment in our country um, compared to now where uh, it seems to be more of a come apart moment in our society. Um, so it, it's interesting that a book written 20 years ago all of a sudden fits better in this historical moment than the original historical moment where it was published first published. Wow. Let, let's talk a little bit about the urgency. We were chatting before the show and mm -hmm. there's an incredible sense of urgency to move the needle. Have you seen, have you seen significant change in 20 years? I mean, clearly there's so much more to be done, but what, what's the good news about things that have may, maybe moved in the right direction? Oh, the good news. Well, the good news is that that question that was being asked literally <laughs> in the early 1990s about whether or not women could be leaders or managers. I think we're past that question. I think the mm -hmm. issue is what level can they be leaders and managers? I think there is some good news that a lot of companies have paid attention to work and family issues for women to support their career aspirations. I and think though, and men, yes, true. Yep. And men. I, and men. I think where where we're still stalled, frankly, is that the progress for Black, Brown, Latina women is not on par with that of white women. I'll just use a statistic here. Uh, when we when the book was released in two thousand and one, we did look at the data. Uh, black women at that time represented one point one percent of women. Oh, 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 sorry, of the of the C-suite. And if you look at the data for 20, 2020, that number has increased to a meager 1.4, which is not significant change. There's good news uh, that's been that has been underscored that there are now 41 women uh, who are head CEOs on the Fortune 500 CEOs. But there's only two black women and a few other women of color in that group. If you look globally, Caroline, and you look at the progress across the globe, it seems like we get stuck at this 25% level. Uh, that, you know, if you look at senior leadership across the globe, the figure is that women comprise about 25% of that group. And the world economic forecast for gender equality tells us it's going to take another 208 years. We don't have 208 years. I don't think we want that. So that's the sense of urgency. What do we need to do to accelerate 
the advancement of women into senior leadership roles, roles that match their capabilities and their education. I think I think the other I agree part, with you. Two hundred and eight years is unacceptable. Right, but I think there's an, another piece of this too that um, we need to understand. Companies, corporations respond to what's going on in the historical moment, and corporations have short memories. So, given the fact that we saw tremendous racial upheaval in the United States in on the last two years, um, culminating with the protest, uh, starting with um, George Floyd and Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement, and moving it um, into today, quite honestly, uh, the reality of it is, is that, you know, that's a, a huge red flag. So corporations will jump on, you know, oh, this is something we've got to deal with now. Um, but as soon as that drumbeat, if you will, uh, for racial equality, for racial justice slows down and becomes less loud, that becomes a less priority for companies. Something else comes on the horizon that takes their attention. And um, what we have to realize, this is not, you know, okay, we're going to look at this issue and topic this year because it's the hot topic. Uh, and this is something that we feel compelled to do. Uh, okay, we've checked the box, let's move on. This is consistent, ongoing, uh, continuous work. And companies need to understand that. Society needs to understand that. Um, we just can't have these change efforts when we're in crisis. These change efforts in our society and in the workplace have to be ongoing, continual, monitor, monitored, so that we know where we stand and where we still need to go. Ella and Stella will be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that very specifically. And I want to dive into how corporate leaders can change this very broken status quo. What I love about your book is it, it does have the power of storytelling, but it also offers actionable tips. And I want this global audience of women to learn uh, what can our corporate leaders do to take charge and have accountability and responsibility in making change. Okay. Are you asking that? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, uh, you're asking that question? Um, okay, I'll take the first step. It's ongoing work. It is not about, okay, checking the box. Um, and it's understanding that it's cultural work. It is not just what I call kumbaya programs, yeah. racial awareness, um, um, con uh, what is it? Unconscious bias is important, but the research shows us that that does not change uh, the hands of power within a company. 
Um, and it does not change um, or dismantle structures of, um, of, of, what's the word I want? Does not dismantle structures of oppression for women, particularly women of color. Um, what we have to really do is to work on culture as well as the systemic. How are you advancing black women, brown women? Where are they in the pipeline? To ask those questions, to do analysis, not putting the men and the women together. Like, well, here's the here's what we know about black advancement. No, I want to know about advancement for both the men and the women. How are we dismantling culture? Um, I think it's very interesting when you ask in a company, what is competence? What does success look like in a company? And the description, while it is not a white male, um, the the attributes are often associated with white male behaviors. That has to be dismantled in terms of how we define culture, how we um, how we think about success, how we think about um, competency has to be unraveled and put back together again. Um, how are women being developed? Um, I teach in a, uh, uh, yesterday Bloomberg announced that Tuck was number two of uh, business schools around the world. Um, but you know, what's very interesting, I teach in their executive ed programs. And um, one of the things that I find very provocative is that in those classrooms uh, where you're sending the, the future leaders, the men and women you want to have groomed for senior leadership positions, you find very few brown and black women in those classrooms, in those programs. Uh, why is that? Why aren't you developing your black and brown talent, female talent? Um, where are they on the succession plans? Where are they in terms of uh, doing work that's going to generate revenue? You know, it's very nice to have the diversity inclusion position. Um, that's 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 nice. That's a nice job, but it does not bring generate revenue in the company. Um, women need to be in generating uh, revenue positions so that they can show that they're really making a difference in the company's growth. Where are people on the boards that deal with D and I? You should have someone on your board that really knows diversity and inclusion and belonging uh, on their boards, in their on their boards represented, not just finance, not just marketing, uh, not just, you know, the, the typical topics. Uh, you really have to rethink what you do and how you're doing it. Excellent. Anything else to add? Well, the only, I think Ella has said it very well. I think it has to be a strategic priority. And, comp and companies have the capability of doing that, Caroline. When they want to enter a new market or start a new phase of the business, then that becomes on the agenda for all management. All management. So all levels of management and leadership must have the responsibility for changing the status of women in the workplace. And, and that has to be, uh, that has to unfortunately include targets. It means women have to be sponsored. It means women, the talent of women must be visible. As Ella said, they must have a chance to demonstrate what they can do for the business and letting go of some of those old ideas about the best way to run a business so that it is more inclusive. 
So it's radical change. It's not incremental change. It's not just chasing numbers. It's qualitatively changing the work environment so that it's conducive to the talents that women can bring into the organization. But there has to be accountability and it has to, you know, I always say it needs to be on the board agenda. So from the board of directors down to every level of management, there's a responsibility to make the change happen. You write about tools for white women to move beyond what we typically call allyship. And and I love this phrase. You write about become co-conspirators with black women to fight the fight for greater equality for all women. And that just resonated with me so much. Tell me more about that. I I love the word co-conspirator, and I can't say that I coined it, but I certainly did take it and run with it. Um, the thing that I think is important uh, between women is that they realize that, number one, you know who you are. You're clear about your values, where you stand, and the fact that change is critically important, and we've got to come together, which means that as a co-conspirator, I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to put my cards on the table. I'm willing to be real with you and I'm willing to lose. Um, I think oftentimes, particularly for white women, they see power via a white male, uh, being associated with a white male. Um, Being a co-conspirator means that, you know, you're willing to let go of that uh, and realize that there is power when women come together. Um, when women use their voices together. Everybody's got skin in the game. Allyship, you don't always have to have skin in the game. You know, you do it when it's for your advantage or when it's going to protect you or when you um, feel that, okay, I've got something to contribute, but you can pull out as an ally. Co-conspirators, you don't pull out. You're there to the end. You're going to fight the battle no matter the cost. And I don't think we're going to see a change um, in how women um, advance in the workplace, how women um, advance in our society, quite frankly, Carolyn, until um, we see women come together as co-conspirators. I love that. I'm I'm smiling here. here. Co-conspirators. It's yeah. not, well, I'm going to be your ally. No. What's the strategy? And that that strategy is discussed, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's planned. It's calculated, if you will. And everybody is, to use Stella's word, everybody's accountable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why is it so important for, for all women to understand what divides us? Because I still think some just don't get it. How do we, how do we bridge that divide? Well, that's a yeah, I think we have to understand, Caroline, and we try to make that point in the book that even though this appearance that white women are advancing, that really it's you know, the price is always second class citizenship. Mm. And so there there's a lot in it for all of us. So we have to find the commonalities. And the thing is, if we look at both race and gender equality across the globe, that can be, that that intersection there can be the point where we have things to talk about. So for example, you know, black women do understand sexism, but we also understand racism. 
So it means that that kind of literacy is important that white women or women who are in dominant groups, it could also be class, to understand those intersections. So I might be a middle-class Black woman, but I need to understand what it's like to be a poor Black woman. So we need to find that connection, and that is what's missing. And so if we, as Ella said, a good place to start is with conversations to understand that. So I think our book does a good job to show that if if you read those stories, as Ella said, it's not been a picnic for white women (laughs) to survive in corporate America. We know definitely it hasn't been a picnic for black and brown women. So until we form this co-conspiracy approach, we will continue to be at, we'll continue to be at the low point of that hierarchy that hierarchy will prevail with white men at the top. We don't have 200 200 years to wait. How long has it already been? So, you know, to say that, you know, um, it's going to sell us point earlier, that, you know, it's going to be 200 some odd years before things are equitable across the genders. We don't have that. We have granddaughters. We have daughters. We don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you said that. I was thinking of my my 12-year-old niece, Maddie. And Mm. I think, what is her future going to be like? How do we how do we help the the young girls soon to become young women understand this earlier? Are there thoughts that you both have? Because I think that the book is um, has such a broad reach and a broad audience. However, our young girls are at a different point in their development. So how do we begin to help impact change for them? You know, Caroline, I did something. Um, Stella and I share a, a grandchild. I'm the godmother, but I, I, we, we share a grandchild. And I actually did a conference in New York. Uh, Mika and I did a, with her organization, we did a, a conference. And I decided I was going to take uh, the two grants Um they were both, what, eight years old at the time? Nine. They were, no, they were eight. They were eight years old. Uh, I took them to the conference. <laughs> and afterwards, one of them said to me, we didn't know you were a woman's advocate. <laughs> you know, and I just <laughs> laughed, you know. But they got it. I mean, they even got on the stage. You know, Mika brought them up on the stage and they were just good. I mean, they were like little heroes that day. Take our daughters to places where they can hear, they can learn, they can observe. Take your granddaughters. I had women coming up to me. I'm bringing my granddaughter the next time. I was like, yeah, we need to expose them. So number one, they understand the roles that we play in making change. I wanted them to understand that. But I also wanted them to understand that use your voice now. Don't be afraid to use your voice. Now, I think we've got to expose. I love Martin Luther King's granddaughter. Oh, my God. She's on, you know, talking for racial equality with her dad. We've got to take them with us. Our parents took us. We need to take our girls and our boys so that they can see and use our voices. We can't leave the boys out in this conversation. The boys have to be there, too. Beautifully put. 
Ella Bell Smith, Stella Nkomo, I learned so much from both of you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me today. I want to tell our global audience about this incredible book, and again, new release with a new preface and epilogue called Our Separate Ways, Black and White Women and the Struggle for Professional Identity. Ladies, thank you. I'm deeply grateful. Oh, thank Thank you. you. And if you like our show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud, and even better, leave a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.